different points of view and highs and lows a new perspective everywhere you go open up your mind drown out the noise and see if this connected and see if this connected What's up, fam? The mission of this connected podcast is to connect generations and situations about faith, life, and whatever comes along the way. To not necessarily agree, but be listened to. These conversations, of course, highlight the perspective of our various guests, and you are always welcome to agree or even disagree. But as always, we hope that it is done in charity. Now, here's your host, Catholic.Dad. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, come and envelop us. Come, Holy Spirit. (sighs) All right. Ready? Yes. (laughs) Welcome to the show, fam. Take two. Thanks, Tony, for that intro. You're welcome. And fam, we have producer Tony out of the closet. Again, out of the closet to join me in the show. Will you ever not uh, introduce me like that? (laughs) Really? I thought you liked coming out of the closet. I don't like you wearing that. <laughs> that's that's your office, though. All right. Oh yes, fam. This is the last time Tony's gonna come out of the closet. Um, on the show, um, he's amazing, though. Just just a just um just FYI, um, can I announce that what? that you're engaged? You've announced. Oh, wow. You've announced it multiple times at this oh, point. Oh, but I had never got your permission. Yeah. Hey, you hey. Should, what you should do is at three episodes ago, you should announce it. I should. Hey, fam, if you go back a couple episodes, I announced that Tony. I already gave approval. Actually, yeah. Um, yeah, Tony is engaged to Bethany. It's Congratulations. Like, yeah, how Thank did that you. happen? I know. Awesome. It's I don't like, know. God whoa. answers miracles. Yeah. That's so, Tony is the youth minister at St. Oscar Romero. He is Power YM. Polo wearing, wearing youth, youth minister. minister. And today we are actually doing a podcast on episode 101 and we're calling it Vocation 101. Why? Because my guest to the right of me is Woo! Father Hawu, who is the vocational director at where? The Diocese of San Bernardino. Our diocese, if you guys Great didn't diocese. know. So welcome to the show, Tony. Welcome yes. to the show, Father Howe. Yes. He is actually our, our guest, Tony. Yeah. yeah, I'm just here. He's our, I don't know why. He's I just wandered in. He lives in the closet. Yeah, I was in the closet. <laughs> See, that, that did not come from me. That came from a holy priest. That did not come from me. Uh, my, my editor's studio there. That did not come from me. He, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm never going to mention the closet again. The C word. <laughs> Okay. All right. So, so welcome to the show, Father. This is take two because Arnell always keeps making a mistake and forgetting to record. But welcome to the show. You know what? We're going to repeat this again for the listeners so they actually know. You know, tell us about you. Well, my name is Father Hao Vu. I am of uh, Vietnamese descent, born and raised in Pomona, California. So for all those who are uh, in Pomona, a shout out Woo-hoo. to all those people out there. So wait, wait, which part of Pomona did you grow up in? So I grew up in the middle part of Pomona. So back in the days, it was called the Islands. Oh, you lived in the Islands. I live like, in the Islands. I remember Sintown and Happy Town. 
<laughs> for you old timers, for you old timers, you would know that yes. <laughs> Father Howe lived in the islands. So confused. Yes, and it was called the islands because that was where you know, a lot of the gangs congregated on that one island per se, and that's where they did all of their um, how should I say illegal actions and mm -hmm. things like that. <laughs> now you know a little bit more about Pumanama. Go yeah. on, Father. Yeah. So I was born and raised there. I come from a pretty large family, two older brothers and two older sisters. Uh, my mom and dad immigrated from here, uh, from Vietnam in the 1970s, late 1970s, at the end of the Vietnam War. And so they came here by the banana boat. And so they, it was a, a wonderful story, actually. Uh, my mother shared this with me um, as I grew up. She says that her faith in the Lord is what saved her. Um, mm -hmm. Because when she left from Vietnam and got on this boat, she was carrying my oldest brother, who was probably around four, and my oldest sister, who was probably one years old at that time. And so as they got on this boat, there were about maybe 60 or 70 other people there jam-packed in this boat. And as they got out to sea, it took a week or two before they ran out of food, right? And so one night, as my sister was uh, sucking at my mother's breast, my mother didn't have any more milk because she was dried up. Um, there was no more food. And so she prayed to God in that moment. She said, God, if you want me to live and my family and everybody else on this boat to live, you have to save us because if not, we're going to die tomorrow morning. And in the very morning, they heard a boat coming close by, all the mm -hmm. sirens, all the honking. And by the grace of God, it was the U.S. boat. Wow. Mm -hmm. And the U.S. boat <clears throat> got them on their boat and they led them to the Philippines. And so my mom was in the Philippines for about actually only two weeks. It was quite amazing <laughs> even then, a miracle, because they say normally it takes about three to six months to yeah. process the paper mm -hmm. application. Uh, but it took about only two weeks for my mom to be received into the U.S., right? And with the help of the sisters and, um, and, the, and, and the Catholic nuns who assisted my parents into the transitioning stages into the U.S. And so that's a miracle that really inspired my own faith as I was growing up. Um, but truth be told, even though I was a cradle Catholic, um, I really never had a deep, how should I say, um, deep awareness of God's <laughs> love for me mm -hmm. until it got into high school. And the reason why was because my family started to discover that all of my siblings, my two older brothers and two older sisters, were getting a little weaker. Mm -hmm. And so they were, they couldn't lift up their spoon to feed themselves. They couldn't walk maybe a mile or, or two before they got exhausted and collapsed. And so we took them to the hospital, uh, UCLA Medical Center, and we discovered that they have muscular dystrophy. Wow. And every single one of them. And it, I think it was a very rare case because out of the five, you know, sons and daughters, all four of them had it. Wow. And so in that moment, um, I really ask God why, right? I was like, God, hmm. why? Why are you doing this to my family? Why not me? Why my brothers and sisters, right? And so I was angry at God for, for a long time, actually. And in that anger, I went into different things that were not so good for me and uh, met a lot of friends that were not good friends. And eventually, I hit rock bottom to the point where one day I went to the teen mass. Uh, my home parish is Our Lady Assumption in Claremont. And so I went to the teen mass at that evening and it was father paul and father paul he has a great homilies and was very energetic and charismatic and in that moment when father paul raised the very body of the lord jesus christ i felt this peace within me the peace that said to me how i am here for you i love you very much 
Hmm. Right. And in that moment, I knew that God was calling me to a deeper relationship with him because all along I knew I loved God. I knew he loved me, but I was so into my, how should I say, my sadness, my anger, the darkness within myself that I had forgotten that or ignored that. But when, in that moment, when I experienced the grace of God, I really turned toward him and said, Lord, I surrender my life to you. But it's often said, like St. Mother Teresa, once you surrender your life to God, God's going to ask you something. And he did. And what he asked of me is to trust and to surrender. right? And it's often said that there's two things that would change you in life, love and suffering. Mm-hmm. And that is what I experienced both within my family. And many people often ask me, Father How, how did you get the call to the priesthood? Or how do you receive that, just a special calling? And I said, it was through Jesus Christ, but through my brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. right? Because just assisting my parents, uh, helping them pretty much with my brothers and sisters every day, allowed me to see the very body of Christ and that love that he had for me. Because truth be told, my brothers and sisters never complained. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so amazing. Like, I put myself in their shoes, and I think I would be co- complaining every moment of my life, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but with them, they always filled with joy. They always had a smile. Um, they always had a reverence, or a holiness to them. I know it was through the grace of God. And it was because of that that allowed me to say to, my, to, to, say to God and to myself, maybe, God, you are calling me to serve because I have been serving you all my life, right, through my brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. You know, Matthew 25 is my favorite, one of my favorite verse. What you did to the least of my brothers and sisters, you did unto me. Mm-hmm. And that hit home for me when I first heard that. Uh, in, in in Mass, because I realized, yeah, the person that I was serving is the living Christ through my brothers and sisters, right? The disabled Christ, the one who was disabled on the cross and who continues to suffer for his people. And so I knew my brothers and sister had a special calling, a calling that God was calling them to offer their suffering, offer their very body for others mm-hmm. to save souls. But for me to realize that, to come to that recognition, it took a lot of prayer and perseverance, but also confronting myself and the truth that God was trying to reveal to me. And one day, when I was praying, I said, God, I want you to heal my family. I want you to heal my brothers and sisters. Why aren't you healing them? Mm-hmm. Right? You perform so many miracles in the Bible. Why aren't you healing my bro- brothers and sisters? And a a small whisper came from the voice of God as I was praying. And he said to me, am I not enough? Mm -hmm. Right? Am I not enough for you? I am the answer. Yeah. And in that moment, like I'm getting goosebumps right now because in that moment, I knew you're right, God. You are the answer. What more am I looking for? Yeah. Right? What is better than God? What is more loving than God? No one, nothing. Right? And so in that moment, God was telling me, just embrace me and be with me. And so I did. And because of that, I started to discern the priesthood. And it was not until my second semester of senior year, when I had to decide which college to go to, um, I was accepted to UC Berkeley with a full ride there. Um, but also I applied to seminary school. And the reason why I did was because my brother, he had a heart attack one day. Mm-hmm. He had a cardiomyopathy where one side of the heart is enlarged and larger than the other side because of his muscular dystrophy. And in that moment, um, I prayed to God. I down on my knees. I prayed to God, Lord, save my brother. 
You know, if you give my brother a new heart, because he was in the hospital for one whole year waiting for a heart transplant, I, I told God, God, if you give my brother a new heart before I had to go to college and choose which college to go to, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And lo and behold, my brothers and sisters, two months before I had to decide. He called you out. The doctor called my family right in the morning, 7.30 in the morning, and said, Mr. and Mrs. Vu, we have a new heart for your son. Please wow. come to the hospital. Wow. And because of that, the miracles that I've experienced within my life, and, and experienced many, many miracles, <clears throat> but I would say that was the very miracle that changed my direction in life. Because then I knew, God, if you can do this for my brother, how much more can you do for the people of God who you love? But the reason why many times I doubt in, in the past was because I really was hard of heart. I really didn't open my eyes, my soul to God. But once I did, I started to see miracles every single day. The miracles of, of having my brothers and sisters, the miracles mm -hmm. of breathing and walking, right? We take walking for granted, brushing our teeth for granted, right? My brothers and sisters couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I started to see, yeah, God, you are the very life that I crave for. And so I started to pursue uh, the priesthood and I applied to the Society of Divine Word, which is a, society, a missionary order, to, and, and that was in Iowa. And once I was accepted, I went there for five years. But then um, after five years, I decided this wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. um, one day I saw pictures of the missionaries going to the very huts, living with them, eating their same food. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, I was born in the city. I don't know if I could do this. You're like, been there, done <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's right, discern. Okay. Maybe you're calling me to come back home because my family is part, a big part of my vocation. Mm-hmm. Right, but I still want to be a priest. And so I came back home and I got into contact with Sister Sarah, who was at that time the uh, director for vocations. And through her and through my encounter with Bishop Barnes, um, I was pulled towards, I gravitated towards the Diocese of San Bernardino and I applied there and I was accepted. Wow. And it was not until uh, May 2016, uh, which was about five years later, that I was ordained a priest for the diocese. Beautiful. I just want to say, uh, sorry, Father Adam, this one got away from Divine Word. <laughs> <laughs> so you know Father Adam. Know. He's, oh, okay. he's a friend. Actually, I'm awesome. hoping to visit him in, in September. But I have this question. Yeah. Um, first of all, you know, from, from, your, from your story, so many things came up. Mm -hmm. um, so many questions arose. Um, yeah. 17 years of my career was working with people with disabilities, and it, it is life-changing. And and it is it, it brings you truly back to to humility and 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 how God completely is wonderful. You see the beauty in His creation and in disabilities of people because not because of the broken body, it's because of how strong spiritually they are. Yes. But my question is not about that. My question is. How did your mother and father, who had children with disabilities that they're going to be taken care of, and then they have one child who does not, and God takes him away? How, you know, tell, did they ever tell you, did your mom says, oh, no, how, um, can you pick something else? Go to Berkeley and, and, and be, be, be an accountant. Yeah. No, no that's a good question. Um and I, I do remember the day I told my mom I want to be a priest because she pretty much fell down 
and she didn't talk to me actually for three days because she thought I was playing a joke on her. Mm-hmm. And I used to play a lot of jokes on my mom back in the days. <laughs> and so after the third day, she came back and she shed, sat down with me and she says, Hal, are you serious? Because you have to be serious. If this is what God is calling you to do and you feel that this is your calling, that you need to move forward 100% because it is all for God or none for God. Mm-hmm. And when she said that, there was a strong conviction that says, yes, I am willing to do that. And I'm willing to give my life for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And she says, it will be very difficult, but I will give you to God this day. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you uh, kind of love the moms. But let me ask this other question because you're Vietnamese and then you went to the Philippines. By the way, just joking aside, there is no way that Filipinos go to the Philippines just for two weeks. We take a month vacation there. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know you're Vietnamese and and it always amazes me because I did not know that there were Catholics in Vietnam until until I came here to the United States that um, there that the president of Vietnam during the Vietnam War was actually Catholic right. and so you know and then meeting Peter on Zoom around the world with mm-hmm. Mary and and the Catholic contingency in, in our little Zoom around the world with Mary but. Are there a lot of Vietnamese Catholics, and how did that come around? Because you know, it's it's not something that that I always think of. That you know, you're thinking that that um, uh, Vietnamese people are Buddhist or Eastern yeah. uh, religion. So, majority of Vietnamese people in Vietnam are Buddhist. Um, I would say maybe uh, I would say maybe ten percent are Catholic or even less, and that was due to the French missionaries at that time who came over. Um, and, and evangelize, and it was the French missionaries that also gave us the language, right? So the alphabet that we rece- that we have to this day is influenced by the French missionaries. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the Catholics were converted and, uh, by the French missionaries, and uh, slowly they started to spread and evangelize and live out their faith. Um, a lot of my family members, or majority of my family members, are cradle Catholic. So a lot of the Vietnamese from in the South are, are Catholic. Uh, those in the North, I think they practice more of the Buddhist. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I, I've always found that interesting because, you know, I have an image of Our Lady of Lavang up there. Never knew that there was a Lady of Lavang. And, um, and, and, and it's, it's wonderful history that, that, that is there. So how did you end up becoming the director of vocations? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> It was after my a third year term, so we have a my so I was ordained five years ago, and so my first assignment was at Holy Name of Jesus in Redlands. So shout out to all those at Holy Name of <laughs> Jesus in Redlands. And nice so, church, yes, beautiful church. And so after my third year, uh, when the bishops and the personal board had to decide where to send uh, myself and other priests, because uh, you know after three years we get transferred to different parishes and different ministry. One day I was at a funeral and it was Bishop um, Barnes who was presiding at the funeral. And before the mass, he, he said to me, Father Hal, I need to speak with you after mass with a serious <laughs> look in his face. And I was like, oh, shoot. I I was like, oh, shoot. What did I do? <laughs> so throughout the whole funeral mass, I'm like, I'm going to die. <laughs> this is my last funeral mass. Because <laughs> you know, Bishop Barnes' eyes, it gazes yeah. right into your soul, man. And he gazed into my soul, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm done for. What did I do? 
And after the funeral mass, he came up to me uh, next to his car, and he says, uh, Father Hal, so I did visit you at your parish about two weeks ago, and I did ask you um, if there are any changes that you like within the diocese, uh, what would it be? And so I brought up vocations, mm. that there needs to be a more different way to promote vocation. And when I say different, I think there's a way for us to encounter the youth uh, in, in, in a different I should say, energy, in a different manner, mm. and we need to look at that. And so because of that, Bishop um, really discerned that, I believe. And so that day, after the funeral mass, he asked me, Father Hal, um, how would you like it if you become the associate vocation director for the diocese? <laughs> and then he gave me like three seconds to think about it. And I would say, yeah, that will be nice. And he goes, okay, it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> no take backs. And then he went into his car and left. And I was like, uh, and I stood there like, oh my gosh, what happened? <laughs> it's like, when do I start? Yeah. <laughs> So that's how it happened. It was yeah. So so you were saying something about you know there needs to be a change. Yeah. You know can you can you tell us a little bit about how it was before, and you saw it and you felt that it needed to change, and how is it now? How are we reaching out to to youth, um, to people to become, you know, to become priests to to answer the call? Yeah, I would say before uh, what it was lacking was the encounter. I believe we need to go out there as priests, religious, sisters, or even lay people and start to encounter our youth, but also men and women who are in their 40s or 50s who are also discerning perhaps. And we need to ask them, what, how is your relationship with God first and foremost, right? And, and the whole connected podcast, right? How do we connect yeah. with them? How do we connect? On a very natural human way first. so that we understand where they are coming from and how they see their own life, right? Because sometimes that knowing is not only how we know them by the way we perceive them and by the way we listen, but rather how do we know how they perceive themselves, right? But that takes time, that takes commitment, and that takes our uh, involvement and investment in, in getting into their lives and talking with them, really. And so I felt that that's one way we need to do that because most of the vocation that are coming to me now is because a priest or a lay person had encountered that person and said to that person, I believe God is calling you to the priesthood Mm -hmm. or I believe you have the potential to be a great priest or a sister one day. Majority, I would say even 90% of it, right? And when I saw that and what was lacking was that encounter, I, I felt like, yeah, I'm only one person, of course, but I felt like that message needs to be focused and emphasized within our diocese, that we need to continually not be afraid of promoting vocations, but also saying to one another, to our children, perhaps, sons and daughters, maybe God is calling you to the yeah. priesthood or, or, or the religious life, right? And not just thinking of it as like a secondary vocation on the side, where the primary vocation that we all discern nowadays is married life. Yeah. Right. And and perhaps nobody nowadays want to be single. Yeah. It's more like, oh, I'll get my profession and maybe I'll think about marriage. And then if that doesn't work out, then I'll think about it. Maybe. Yeah. yeah pretty much. <laughs> it's my backup plan. Pretty much. Pretty so, much. So the thing is, how early do you think that um, we should be engaging young people 
because there there are times where some sometimes I go to to people and it says, oh yeah, just when you're in college, just think about it. I mean, and then there are some who say earlier. So what's what's what would you say is the appropriate time to to assist and develop uh, young people? I think anytime, anytime really. And the reason why I say that is because we need to instill within our youth, right, even when they were very young, the encounter with Christ, right? I believe what is lacking nowadays is that encounter, right? I just had recently a discernment evening at the seminary, and there were about eight or nine men, um, but also about three women there. And they really enjoyed that time, the silent time that we have in adoration with God, mm-hmm. right? But I asked myself, how many youth out there, or even young adults or adults, have ever experienced this type of encounter? Because their life is so busy and inundated with so many things that many times they don't even understand what it means to be in solitude, right? And to encounter God in that very mystical and tangible way. And when I say mystical, what that means is not like, you know, um, rare, like a unicorn, right? But mystical in the sense that, yeah, it should be common. You should be entering into the mystery of Christ every single day of your life. And how that is for a young person may be different from an adult, right? Because as a young person, when you enter that mystery, it could be through your relationship with your friends. It could be the relationship with um, your siblings. It could be through church and, and the youth events, right? And so how do we cultivate that mysterious encounter uh, within our parish community, but within the community that we live in? And try to get connected in that way with our faith, right? Oh. Now, Tony, did you have any questions? Well, I I just wanted to say I, I shout out to Bishop Barnes because um and and thank you for for saying yes to to what what Bishop asked because this idea of encounter and this idea of knowing that person. Um, full disclosure, I've been to some of those uh, discernment evenings. That's that's what they're referred to, um, and uh, I think it really does that. I, I really do. So young people that. Um, maybe I've seen those posts. I know I personally share those posts. Um, if you see them and you feel like you're scared uh, to go or you're uncertain of what to expect, that's that's what it is. It's a co- conversation. It's an idea of um, let's get to know people. Um, that way you don't feel like... I think the, the, the most <sighs> scary thing as someone that's done this discernment process is... Um, you feel like it's uh, you're a stranger in a strange land going through this path of discernment. And I think what those evenings do is really try to alleviate that. You, you feel like you have a community, and that really helped me. And I think the work that you're doing is amazing. So I just wanted to say thank you, because um, that helped me in my th- discernment process, those evenings that I encounter of one another. And keep in mind, I did that the peak of it was on zoom you know and yet you still can experience that encounter of christ through one another even if it's virtual um so i just wanted to also mention that so thank thank you thank you i was actually praying for him to become a priest and then he got introduced to bethany There goes that. God works in mysterious ways, my brother. <laughs> yeah. There goes that. Maybe they'll have a child and he'll become yes. a priest. Yes, that's know. true. I, I probably have to owe God. It's like, okay, you could offer your first fruit. <laughs> that's why your first fruits. Offer your first fruits. Beautiful. <laughs> but but it's beautiful. You said encounter, 
And I think that's something that, that a lot of times <clears throat> young people um, don't get that opportunity to encounter or even, you know, get the invitation because it's hardly and very rarely that that we have people inviting people to enter into a vocation of the priesthood or religious sisters. Um and I think it's lacking because I think sometimes when, when I when I ask parents, you know, I think your son would make a great priest, their usual answer is, no, not mine. Yeah, it's like, mm. oh, no. <laughs> and and this is coming from a community that's traditionally Hispanic Filipino communities are always very adamant about the priesthood. Mm-hmm. And even in my family, we have a large family, a very prayerful family, but we do not have one priest. And I said, how hmm. come we don't? Hmm. Yes. How come we don't? And, you mm-hmm. know, the answer is, well, no, you didn't want to. Well, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> so I, I do have a few questions. I, I try to frame them based off of uh, the way youth have brought it up to me that maybe you can bring some clarity to. Um, the first one, and I'm sure this is like, more so the classic one, but if God is calling me to the priesthood, does that mean he doesn't want me to have a family? Of course, uh, as a vocation and you're discerning the priesthood, um, are, as a priest, your family is the people of God, the church, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. God is a God of creation. He never destroys your desires or, 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 or what you want within life. But I, I believe what he does, he manifests it in different ways. For example, before, prior to discerning the priesthood, I always, of course, want to be married. I want to be an engineer, also a doctor. And I say to myself, when I would discern the priesthood, well, perhaps God won't allow me to do this. Mm-hmm. right? But then as I got into seminary school um, in information, I realized, no, eventually I will build it, be building the church like mm-hmm. an engineer. Mm-hmm. but also be a doctors of souls. Amen. And so that's what I mean, that God will manifest your desires in different ways. But in terms of family life, yes, we may not have children, biological children of our own, right? We may not be married to a, 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 another woman, a spouse, but we will be married to Christ. And, and our children are his children, the people of God, right? And so that is why a lot of people call us fathers, right? Mm-hmm. Because we are a father to you you are our children amen um so with that uh so as as it was mentioned i am engaged to bethany and one of the the signs that i felt very affirmed you and i've actually talked about this prior to um but uh one of the signs that i felt very affirmed in in praying that vocation was when i was at the chapel and uh, before the Blessed Sacrament. And um, it was actually probably earlier in our relationship. And I, I saw an image of me and her at the altar in our uh, the, the wedding gown and, and, and suit and that sort of thing. And um, that was my first sign that I thought that I might be called to her in that way. So my question is, um, are there false ways we can interpret God's signs could they be misinterpreted? Is that a thing that happens? Um, and maybe how how do you interpret that that was misinterpreted? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I believe all the signs that we have from God is a call. First and foremost, it is a call to enter into a deeper relationship with God. 
Um, if you read the life of the saints, many times the saints emphasize, don't focus too much on the signs, hmm. right? Focus on the one who gave you the signs, hmm. who Amen. is God, Amen. right? And the more we focus on God and just rest in his presence, his love, then we will realize, yes, this sign was first and foremost to affirm my relationship with God or to challenge me to enter into deeper relationship. But when we enter into deeper relationship, then we start discerning, okay, are you calling me to this vocation of married life? Because you're giving me these, these images, you're giving me these imaginations, and perhaps it came in my dream. Because as we know, God also works through our dream, as you know with St. Joseph. Yep. And so that is where we continue to take it to God, take it to our spiritual director, uh, who is a priest or a nun or a person trained in spiritual direction, so that they can, how should I say, lead and guide you towards um, listening to God's will and his voice. But I would say off the bat, um, it is important for us to not focus too much on the signs because sometimes those signs can lead us towards a direction where God is not calling us towards. Mm -hmm. And so it's important for us to focus on the one who gave us a sign, like I said, God. I love this guy. I love this guy. <laughs> I have one final question. Um, is it possible to be called to two of the same vocation God and God wants you to choose said vocation so maybe uh, opposing vocations in this case in this context of priesthood and and um, marriage life um, is it call is it possible that God's calling us to both and he just wants us to choose again I'm trying to frame this in the way that's been uh, asked yeah, to me yeah yeah there's uh, there is no way God is calling you to both vocations um, there is only one vocation that God is calling you towards, um, whether it be married life, priesthood, or consecrated single life. But what is required of us is to discern, and the word discern comes from the Latin word discernere. It means to distinguish or sift out God's voice, right? From the, our voice or from the voice of Satan. So those are three primary voices. And the way we sift out or discern those voices is through prayer, mm -hmm. right? But there is no way that God is calling to both vocations because he's calling to one vocation, but you must discern what vocation is that. Mm. I just had a guy who came in to my office the other day discerning the vocation to married life. But then all of a sudden he comes back to my office the next day and he goes, Father, after speaking with you, I think God is calling me to the priesthood. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, how do you know? And he says, well, it's because it is a good vocation. It is something good. And I know it's going to make me a better person. And I said, of course, but wouldn't married life make you also a better person, right? Because God in, is in any vocation, right? Whether mm -hmm. married life, priesthood, or consecrated single life. But you must discern which vocation will give you the greatest, how should I say, fulfillment, but not only fulfillment. When I say fulfillment, because only God, only God mm -hmm. can fulfill us, right? What will give you the greatest fulfillment, but what will lead you towards holiness, which is our primary vocation. And so if that is married life and you see yourself as a married person one day, then you ask yourself, okay, how can I become a better husband one day? How can I become a better wife one day? What can I do now to cultivate that, that, that goodness within me so that when I am married, I am happy and fulfilled and not saying to the other person, you are my all and you, know, you make me fulfilled in life. Say, no, God is your all. And it, it is God who should make you fulfill in life, yeah. right? And so really, it is a call for us to discern that voca one vocation God is calling you towards. But it takes time. It takes patience. 
Um, sometimes we're not 100% clear that God is calling us towards a particular vocation. But I tell people, don't worry. If you feel that God is calling to marry life, pursue that. But perhaps one day when you're pursuing that vocation, God will call you towards the priesthood, right? Because I've seen that happen too. Yeah. A revelation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've seen a guy go off to Steubenville, uh, wants to get married one day, and his fourth year of college, he calls me up and says, Father, I believe now God is calling me to the priesthood. So does, does that mean that his path towards married life was bad? No. God was able to, to make his time um, profitable, or should mm -hmm. I say, um, for his own good. Mm -hmm. Right. And so somewhere in his path towards the vocation of married life, God was forming him to be a good husband one day. Right. But in the same manner, God was also forming him to be a good priest one day. Because mm -hmm. as priests, remember, we're also fathers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And so in the same manner, how do you how do you become a good priest? How do you become a good father one day? By learning the virtues, by receiving the sacraments, right? By entering to commune with God in prayer. Right? by living a structure, uh, structured life that is dedicated and devoted to God, right? And so really, that formation towards priesthood, in a certain sense, is integrated in that formation towards being a good husband one day. And so I tell guys, do not worry. If you feel that you're married, go ahead. Go <laughs> down towards that vocation. Because, like I said, God will, God will amaze you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, I have a question. Tony, was I in the dream? No. No? No, you weren't. No? You, I you wasn't there not. with Bethany and you. you and... Uh, no, you, no, you weren't. Sorry. I'm just... I could have sworn it... I was there. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Father, I, I hear this uh, said quite often. Um, once I've chosen my vocation, once I, I feel like I've chosen the correct one, I will feel peace with it. Is this true or is this false? Or somewhere in between? I would say... Um... It can be true, but also false at the same time, because uh, we we do not uh, entirely affirm a vocation by your feelings of peacefulness, because sometimes God will give you unrest, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes Satan will want you to feel peaceful mm -hmm. so that you don't um, discern more, right? Because you mm -hmm. feel, oh, I'm at peace. This is what you want, right? And so I don't need to do any more investigation or enemy learning. I feel that this is what you want. I feel at peace. But many times in that in that feeling of false peace, there's also a feeling of maybe perhaps God isn't calling me toward this path, right? So that feeling of unrest that God riled up and causes within ourselves. And even St. Ignatius says, as we're discerning a vocation, in the beginning, there's going to be unrest, right? Because what you're fighting or who you're fighting against is who? Yourself. Mm. What you want, what you desire, right? Uh, your needs, your selfishness, your pride, right? Pride is the root of all our sins. And so in the first primary part of discerning a vocation is to surrender to God. But in surrendering to God, you must detach from yourself. So there will be a little bit of suffering, right? There's there's going to be a little bit of un, unease and tension. And so I would say um, don't entirely base your call towards that particular vocation on your feelings of peacefulness, right? Because feelings can sometimes, um, how should I say, feelings are your feelings, but sometimes it doesn't represent reality, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Because, yeah. for example, because you don't feel like praying one day, right? right. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't pray. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And because prayer will lead you to what? Prayer will lead you to understand, yeah, 
I'm not feeling well because this and this and that. And maybe God will manifest or show to you something in prayer that you probably never saw before. But then God was calling you to, to, to overcome yourself, your pride, and enter into prayer so that he can minister and heal you. Right? That's beautiful. Amen. You know what? I'm going way back. Um, because you had mentioned earlier with with your brothers and sisters muscular dystrophy, and um, I was just talking to an individual the other day uh, who is falling out of their faith. Actually, a mother whose children are falling away from their faith because during this COVID crisis they've been praying, and praying for miracles, and yet their loved ones died. Mm. Um, and so, uh, what what do you say to those individuals who pray and they pray for miracles and the miracles don't? materialize and yet you were praying for healing for your brothers and sister and you know they remained the same and yet yeah. your your faith grew from that and it's like what's what's the difference there what, what what did you do right and what weren't they seeing um i believe um just to let you all know two of my brothers already passed away from the muscular dystrophy uh, one ten years ago, the other one eight years ago, and in that time, um, I also doubted God. Right, I lost my faith for even a little bit. I tell people hmm. because I was angry at God. Um, I, I, I didn't understand what He wanted of me and my family, and so I wrestled. Um, I wrestled with my faith. I wrestled with God, and it was eventually. Um, my spiritual director, his name, her name was Mallory Dansart, that came up to me and said, "How you need help? Right? You need to go see a counselor or a psychotherapist because this grief is really taking you to a place of darkness, and you're not, you're not right. You're not, you're not who you are. Mm -hmm. Right? There's something wrong. And it was through that that allowed me to once again refocus on myself, my faith, and God." And because of that, I was able to find the healing that I need from the Lord. But that question that, you know, I often ask, you know, why God, why aren't you performing the miracles, right? That took a lot of time just sitting with that question in adoration. Um, and when I say adoration is just sitting in front of the tabernacle where Jesus Christ is and not saying anything. I mean, there was nothing I could say. Mm -hmm. I, I just sitting there for hours. I remember when I was in seminary and my first brother passed away, I was sitting there for four, five, six, eight hours. Um, there'd be times where I didn't sleep because I was so angry and I didn't know what God wanted of me and I wanted the answer. Mm -hmm. But eventually, as I sat there day after day, month after month, year after year, I realized the answer is God. <laughs> and it's just being in his presence and knowing that, yes, this life on this earth isn't our final destination, right? Heaven is our final destination. Our relationship with the Lord in heaven is where he is calling all of us to be. Mm -hmm. And so at this is the hope that we need to embrace. But prior to that, right, before that grief, yes, I, I felt like whatever I do here on this earth, right, it was just, how should I say, temporary, right? But all my focus was on this earth and not on heaven. And that's where God is calling us to to ascend our hearts to him in heaven. And when I say heaven, heaven is where Christ is, mm -hmm. right? And so wherever Christ is, that is heaven. And so for me, in those moments and hours in prayer and adoration, I was in heaven, right? 
but it takes time for us to build that understanding and that relation with God and to wrestle with it because it is not easy. Yeah. And what you're dealing with is your emotions, um, your, your doubts, your fears, the uncertainties. But at the end of the day, I tell people, deep inside your soul, you know that God is there for you. Deep inside your soul, you know that God loves you and loves your family so much that he wants them to be with him in paradise. That's a great answer from a great priest. That's actually one of the one of the test questions. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Father. <laughs> so, so uh, this is a three part question. What advice would you give to parents? What advice would you give to youth ministers? And what advice would you give to the youth themselves? who may be discerning or um, trying to increase uh, vocation. Uh, because sometimes even with with me as, as a godparent, me as a, as a former youth minister, you almost feel pressure. It's like, I need to find some people to answer the call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah do my share. Like, yeah, do my share. It's like the pressure is off. Father Havu is his contact. He says, do you have anyone? I was like, no. <laughs> uh, what advice would you give us um, to say, you know what, this is how you should go about um, being invitational being or increase vocation? Uh, I think first and foremost is to be in tune with your own spiritual life. And, and the reason why I say that is because as baptized Catholics, Christians, we're all called to be fishers of men and mm -hmm. women. Right? That is our call, to evangelize, right? to spread the gospel of the word of God. But in doing so, we're called to call men and women to become his ministers, his sisters, and religious. And so how we do that within our family life as parents is to cultivate um, an environment, right? because it is a domestic church, as you all know, an environment where we introduce the lives of the saints, perhaps, mm -hmm. um, different types of devotions right? that we, we love to do. Right. And, and many times ask the kid, do you like to do this devotions? Mm -hmm. Right. And if they don't like it, search for something else. Right. Don't just impose it on them saying you have to do it because I told you to do it. No. Right. Listen to the spirit that also beckons the heart of your children. Right. But you have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit to know what the Holy Spirit is wanting for your family and your children to begin with. And so a deep, intimate prayer life is essential for all of us, whether parents, whether children, and whether you're on vocation directors or any person working in ministry in the parishes, you gotta have that deep, intimate relationship in prayer life. But yeah, in terms of, of young adults and even the youth, I believe a way to do that and promote that vocation towards the priesthood is to discern maybe if God is calling you to the priesthood, and is God calling you to the priesthood, mm -hmm. right? And if no, why no, right? Why do you think God isn't calling you to the priesthood? Because many times we don't think about ourselves about it, but we say, okay, you should be a priest or you should be a sister, <laughs> but what about yourself, right? Is God calling you to the priesthood or the married life or consecrated single life? We often leave that third one to mm -hmm. the side because yeah. no one knows what that means, consecrated single life. <laughs> right? like, what? What, yeah. what does it mean? Yeah, so how do you live your single life um, consecrated to God? Meaning consecration means set apart for God, hmm. right? For example, if you are a singer, doc, single doctor or lawyer, how do you contribute to the church in the way that only you can contribute because you're a single doctor and lawyer? 
mm-hmm. right? Because truth be told, you'll have more time, right? Right? You won't have a spouse or children to take care of, or as a priest, you won't have the the laity of the parish to be involved in and to worry, worry too much about, right? And so your singleness should be a call to holiness in a way that God is calling you um, to be holy, whether yeah. it be participating in ministry, perhaps getting involved as a catechist, um, being a lector or being a youth minister, or maybe going to the shut-ins and, and those places where people are not receiving the Eucharist and being an EM to them, right? Giving Christ to them. And so there's many ways to live a consecrated single life, but we have to be open, right? We, we cannot be close to our um, secular understanding of being single because a secular understanding of being single is no one wants to be single right yeah. there has to be somebody there for you to fulfill your life well some of us married people sometimes feel like we want to be single again <laughs> oh my gosh so so uh let's say i am um i'm 40 years old i still haven't found anyone um does that mean i'm automatically consecrated single life because i'm, I'm i haven't i'm not married yet i'm not a priest and no, that's. I would say that was something is something for you to discern, hmm. right? Because it is a vocation, and if you feel that God is calling you to a consecrated single life, how do you yourself consecrate your entire life to God personally, right? You don't have to go to the bishop and says, "Bishop, consecrate me to the single life." Hmm. No. <laughs> but there are there are virgins, right? Who consecrate? I mean, women who consecrate themselves as virgins to the Lord. Uh, and they manifest it publicly. And so what I know is in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, I think there's two or three women who was consecrated publicly by the church, by Archbishop um, to the Lord as virgins, consecrated virgins. In our diocese, we don't have that. Um, but like I said, to live a consecrated single life, um, it's a calling and you have to decide, is this the vocation God is calling you towards? But if you're 40, and you say to yourself, I've been single all my life. No one loves me. Maybe you're calling me to the, the vocation to our single life. No. Maybe there's somebody, you're going to meet somebody at the age of 70, right? Yep. Or maybe 60 or, or 40 or 50. Or 50. Right? But you, but God is saying to you to do what? Persevere. Hmm. Trust in him. Hmm. Be open. Hmm. And in the meantime, don't live in isolation right. or depression or, right. or, or what if, right. right? But rather live in the present moment. Right. What is God calling you to do right now? To live in a relationship with Him. And how does that look for you? Mm-hmm. I know two people like that. Mm-hmm. Both doctors, both single, got married in their 50s, mm-hmm. never had children, but have so, bear so much fruit um, with their faith, um, taking care of each other. And I tell you, every single uh, party of the family is at their house because everyone's their kids. Yeah. Everyone calls them Papa and Mama, <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know th- yeah. there's fruit where yeah. where God calls you to correct to be with another person later on in life, um, and gives you the the opportunity to help others in that way. Correct. correct. Um, but um, I'm going to ask a question that um, is going to make Tony cringe. <laughs> Actually, it's not. It's not. It's not just kidding. But <laughs> Father, everybody wants to know what is a day like. In the life of Father Howe, I mean, what what is it? Because the reason why I'm asking is a lot of young people will say, "Well, I don't want to be a priest because that's so boring. Because all you do is like uh, baptize people, do a mass, and hear confessions, you know, hear confessions all day, and then you know that's going to be my life like, every <laughs> yeah, single yeah. day is just do sacraments and you know basically what is your life? What 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 do you do when you wake up? 
until you, you sleep? Is it just, yeah, stay in church all day and change the incense? Because <laughs> some of the priests that we have, they got some nice cars, some noisy ones too. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good question. Father Manny. <laughs> so so my, my life starts at 6.30 in the morning every single day. I wake up 6.30, and the first person I think of is God. Um, I do my morning prayer. It's where we pray the Liturgy of the Hours. The Liturgy of the Hours is a prayer for the people of God. And so just imagine in that morning, you're talking about thousands, not if not millions of priests, religious, nuns, and even lay people praying this very same prayer. And so we enter into that prayer of the people. I enter into it every morning. And after that, um, I celebrate Mass, whether it be at the seminary or another parish or, or with myself in my rectory. It just depends because now I'm the vocation director. Sometimes uh, we don't have a parish to go to. And so we celebrate Mass on, on my own. And after that, uh, breakfast, of course. And so when the seminarians are there, I eat breakfast with them. And afterwards, I go to my office and um, I'm with my secretary. And what we do is we try to brainstorm about new ways to promote vocations. And so nowadays, um, a lot of the ways that we connect with other people is through social media. And so we're trying to do, um, for example, Zoom meetings, um, trying to have videos and things like that so that we can connect with them. And in the evening time, uh, we have evening prayer. Um, I also eat dinner, of course. Um, but then many times parishioners would invite me over to their homes and they would say, I would like to break um, bread with you, right? have a meal with you. And so I go over um, their homes and have a nice dinner with them, but also learn about their life story. Mm -hmm. Because one of my favorite, I wish the aspect of the priesthood is getting involved with people's lives. Like It's so amazing because prior to becoming a priest or prior to the seminary life, I was always shy. I was always an introvert. Like for me to sit down here now and talk with you all, it's just like a miracle <laughs> in itself. <laughs> but yeah, and so so we often get invited to people's home for dinner as a way for us to to be their father, right? Mm -hmm. To be their priest. But that's one day. The next day is entirely different. Sure. The next day it could be okay. I wake up in the morning, of course, every morning morning prayer. Then I do mass, but then I might have a funeral. Mm -hmm. celebrate funeral but then i might have anointing of the sick so after the funeral i go to the hospital or or a home and i anoint the sick but after that then you might have a wedding and so you can see the fluctuation of emotions at times yeah. but you know all of all of these celebration of sacraments are a, a celebration of life right because every sacrament is a focus on god whether it be the funerals giving thanks to god for 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 giving us a way to heaven Right? and giving us hope, uh, whether it be the celebration of baptism, which is life itself, right? whether it be celebration of married life, right? a, a new life between these two couple who are now one with yeah. the merge of their family. And so really in those celebration of the sacraments um, throughout that day, uh, we can give that, uh, how should I say, that, that get the nourishment that we need in order to, to be good priests, right? because what we rely on is not only God, but also the people of God, mm -hmm. because we are supported by them uh, many times in prayer, um, but not even in prayer, but sometimes they always ask me, Father, uh, do you need a new shoe, <laughs> perhaps, <laughs> you know, or, or, or let's take you out to breakfast, Father, you seem a little skinny today. <laughs> so do you have a favorite sacrament? 
Yes, my favorite sacrament is uh, confessions. Knew it. Confessions. I would have said funerals. No, I'm just kidding. Now, why is it confessions? Confessions? Because I, I would have thought that y- you would be so exhausted. Correct. After. Correct. And the reason why confessions is because that that awareness that God is working through you as a sinner myself, right, to forgive other people's sins, hmm. right? But entering into that sacrament, we realize, I realize that, yeah, God is calling us to not only humble ourselves, but to see that we are all hurting. And God is that divine physician, the one who is healing those who are in pain and those who are still bleeding. And so when a penitent comes up to me and confess their sins, what happens to me is that I too receive that love, right? I too feel like when I'm absolving somebody of their sins, I feel like God is also absolving my my sins. And of course, I go to confession uh, once every two weeks. But in those moments, I feel like God is calling each one of us to see how merciful he is. And so just experiencing that mercy gives me that that hope, right? It gives me that freedom to see, yeah, we're all weak, but in our weakness, uh, we all need the Lord, right? And so that love, that mercy, and just coming out of that confession, many times people think, Father, do you absorb all of those emotions? Do you remember um, the sins of that person next week when they confess again? And I tell them, no. God gives priests and myself the grace to not worry about that. We don't worry about um, we're remembering your sins or, you know, we have other things to worry about. <laughs> what we worry about is your souls, right? And so how how we give Christ to you is through um, the words that he speaks through us and, of course, to the absolution. And so that is the reason why the sacrament of confession is my, my favorite sacrament because of the healing power. And it's funny because even in the catechism, right, it's not a, a sacrament of forgiveness. It is a sacrament of healing. Yes. That's beautiful. Yes. You know, uh, uh, I was left speechless of that one. <laughs> I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, sacrament yes. confession, I, w- I would just thought, like, that was the last thing that that it, you would want. Um, because I, I listen to people's problems. And at the end of the day, you're just so exhausted and drained. Yes. Um, and uh, And you're right. You don't remember. What is it? What it is that the person um, says um, after that? So my question to you, Father, is is this: because you're director of vocation, how you know? What first of all, how many seminarians are there currently? Because we have a, you know, we have Saint Junipero Serra House Formation House. Correct, now, what, right. what is the? How many people do we have there? And and what is the difference between a formation house and a seminary? Correct. And so um, we have currently within our seminary um, in the House of Formation and at the seminary in Texas, the Oblates of St. Joseph, but we also send our our guys to St. John's in Camarillo. In total, we have about 24 seminarians right now. Uh, And there's four new seminarians entering this fall in August 26. I know one. Yeah. (laughs) Who do you know? I can't. He's going to reveal it on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Secret. We'll find out. (laughs) You know him. (laughs) But 
but um, how does one who's interested in becoming a priest, how do they go about um, contacting you? How, what, what do they do? Um, is it like college? Can I take a tour? Um, yeah, so usually when a, a man is uh, interested in serving the priesthood, they would give me a call or a text or an email. And then I will communicate with them and I'll, t I'll say and ask them, would you like to come to the seminary and talk with me? And so we talk together and, and, and once I decide and discern uh, if this person is really being called to the priesthood, because sometimes they're being forced by their mom, perhaps, right? Because I've seen one where the mom is waiting in the car and then he's there in the office and I say, what is your mom doing in the car? And he goes, well, my mom called, asked me to come here to see you. And I say, but you don't want to come here to see me yourself? He goes, no, my mom forced me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't force them. And so those are situations. So when they come to me, I do discern that and kind of listen to their story. Um, um, and after that, I ask them various questions. Uh, for example, how do you know God is calling you to the priesthood? Um, do you hear his voice? What are some of the signs, perhaps? Uh, what is your passion? Uh, do you want to get married one day? Have you ever thought about marriage? Or have you dated? Um, or are you a balanced man? Um, mind, body, and spirit, right? Do you have mm -hmm. medical issues, mm -hmm. right? Because I, there was a man who came up to me and he had maybe four different types of mental issues. And I, t I t and of course, that doesn't prevent you from entering into formation or to be a priest, but we have to look at that to the extent of, will you be able to be an effective priest yeah. one day with the illness you have? Because it is a very demanding vocation, yeah. as you know, to be a priest. You're on 24-7, right? Um, night yeah. and day. And so those are the questions I kind of ask them to kind of discern, help them discern whether God is really calling them. And after that, if I kind of sense, yeah, maybe God is calling you, I let them um, into the seminary to take a tour or house of formation to take a tour. Yeah. And because of the pandemic, usually I allow them to join our evening masses with the seminarians, talk with the seminarians, um, maybe go on on certain events with the seminarians so that they get a taste of what it means to be in formation but also what it means to be a priest. Because I think sometimes the men have an ideal vision of the priesthood, right? They think, oh, all priests gonna float, right? Everybody's floating in the seminary and, <laughs> and they don't they don't see the human side of it too. <laughs> the struggles that we go through, uh, the things that we, we, we struggle with each and every day. And so I allow them into our formation to get a taste of it so that they see is really God really calling them yeah. to the priesthood? Because sometimes when they experience it, they go, maybe perhaps God isn't calling me. Right? <laughs> All right, Tony. Any other questions? Um. Yeah. Is there any upcoming events? As you mentioned, I know there's yeah. one tomorrow, but right. when this airs, that's right. probably gonna be. But yeah, maybe in the is... next um, month or so. Let's look at the calendar. Go ahead, Father. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah. And so every month we have a um, discernment evening. So now that the pandemic has kind of loosened its regulations, we're doing the discernment evening at the seminary once a month. Uh, men and women who are discerning together uh, the cause of priesthood or religious life. And so what that entails is coming to the seminary chapel, having mass. And after mass, um, we break open the word of God and we kind of share um, how you are experiencing your discernment. What are some of the questions you may have for me? Uh, the things perhaps the, your encounter with Christ. And so we try to expose you to the seminary life in that manner, but also get you in tune with um, discerning your call, but also entering deeper into your spiritual life. 
And I think many times guys kind of wait. For example, they tell me, uh, I'm going to wait to enter the seminary in order to have a structured prayer life. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Say, no, do it now. I'm like, why aren't you praying now? Yeah, right? Right. It's, it's not going to change you right, right. if you don't do it now. And and for clarification, so if I go to these discernment evenings, am I going to be like a priest right away? Or no, no. So you're just you're just discerning, right? Mm-hmm. Discerning, discerning the call to the priesthood, meaning that you're you're thinking about it. You're taking the action, necessary actions to discern, to ask, you know, if if this is really um, my vocation that God is calling you towards. No pressure. And no pressure. No pressure <laughs> at all. No pressure. No Thank pressure. You. Yeah. The, you guys won't. You you could still leave. No pressure. So I'm actually, Father, I'm, I'm looking at the website for the San Bernardino Vocations. It's sbdiocese.org forward slash vocations. And it says here, discernment evenings at Sarah House on the fourth Tuesday of every month at 7 p.m. So that is incorrect. Um, <laughs> we need to fix that. <laughs> so we need to fix that. I am making a new website already, Ooh. but it's taken a little while for them to approve it. So it is out there, um, but so the old website is the one you just mentioned. But the new website should be coming. Like I said, I'm just waiting. Um, it's a bit slow. Um, sure. Yeah. Well, and we'll be sure to promote it once it's yeah. up. Thank you. Thank there you. There you go. And um, yeah. So uh, Father's email is what? Hvu at sbdiocese.org. Yes. Yeah, we're gonna put that in the description of the podcast all your emails all the websites the new one <laughs> do you get days off i do i do mondays are my day off mondays you get one day one day, day of one rest. day a day of rest it's a day of rest right my sabbath her sabbath it. is that monday it is they get one day off wow um but you know what every single day is with the lord so every single day is a holiday a holy, holy day, day. <laughs> So, um, Father, thank you very much for joining us oh, on, on the podcast. Uh, and I, I did behave. Tony was here to make sure I didn't ask those really stupid <laughs> yeah, questions. I was kicking him under but, the table. But um, I was so tempted to. <laughs> uh, future podcasts, um, maybe we'll make a blooper episode. But thank you, Tony, for joining us thank and you. keeping us um, on, on task. Um, Father, um, I really appreciate you know you sharing with us a story i know uh i could listen forever and and um to your vocation story and it's a beautiful vocation story and uh, i just like to to say to listeners out there who might be uh parents and those who are um discerning or looking forward to what is god calling me my my advice to you is this if at any point that you are having thoughts of where am I going to serve God or how is God um, asking me to serve, give Father Havu a call and and ask someone. Uh, youth ministers, you know, ask everyone. I, I remember one person telling me one time, Father Vu says, you've never asked me if I wanted to be a priest. And I'm like, do you? And he said, no, but you never asked me. <laughs> but ask, because you never know. You never know. Um, and as, as Father Howe said, at any time, they should be asked to see about if they're discerning. And again, last thing I'm going to say is that contact him at the Formation House. It is a beautiful, wonderful, beautiful uh, yes. 
uh, formation house. Um, and I just can't say enough that the diocese has been very blessed because of that formation house. I think it's very blessed that you're now the director of, of vocations. And as you're bringing it to the point where young men are really, truly interested to discern with you to one day become holy priests because Lord knows we need more holy priests. Yes. Uh, we need more to serve because I, I just don't think there's enough. Yes, you're right. So, and I do, I do have to say that we need more priests coming from our localities because I do believe that when we have yes. priests like Father Howe and some of our uh, new upcoming priests who are younger, they can relate to the people of God here mm -hmm. in our diocese because they lived it, mm -hmm. they know how it is, and not saying that other priests can't, but I can tell you, from working in mental health field, the person who's been through it understands it a little bit more. You're a little bit ahead of, of the game with that and a little bit more understanding. I, that's just my take on that. So if you are interested at any point, if you're listening to this podcast, maybe God is calling you to contact Father Howe. Um, if you um, want to... Um, just look at our, our um, description. We'll have all of his information there. But... Thank you, Tony. Thank you. Arnell. Thank you, Father. Thank you, um, Thank you Tony. We're going to go Thank out to Father. eat now. <laughs> Yay. That's all we have for you this <laughs> evening, fam. Um, thank you for um, following us on the podcast and listening. I hope this episode really connected with you. Um, if you have any comments, concerns about what Tony said, um, email us at catholic.dad50 at gmail.com with those comments. Please also rate the podcast. It really helps. And as usual, if you want to become a sponsor of the podcast so that we can put Tony through school and college <laughs> and help him with his marriage, um, consider becoming a patron. It's in our link, in our bio, and in our about, in our YouTube channel. But as always, remember... Live a life of holiness. We'll be praying for you. Please pray for us. And as always, be blessed and be third. Bye for now. Different points of view and highs and lows. A new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind and drown with the noise Different generations of the girls and boys So sit back and relax, this cat The podcast don't overreact If the thoughts are abstract When it's hosted by Catholic Doc Dad Who knows what's gonna happen Hey, what's up fam? Different points of view with highs and lows A new perspective everywhere you go Open up your mind and drown with the noise And see if this connected What's up fam? generations and situations about faith, life, and whatever comes along. Spec runaway thoughts like a runaway train break into conversation like links of a chain make a Hail Mary pass hope disconnects. Have a question for a guest put it to rest. Live a life of holiness lead by example. Follow at catholic.dead and many tingled. <laughs> Christ leads our way, he's the good shepherd. Pray for one another, be blessed and be there. 
Different points of view and highs and lows A new perspective everywhere you go Open up your mind and drown out the noise And see if disconnected This Connected Podcast is brought to you by The Cabin. Want to get away and get some peace and quiet and rest? Yes, rest, but not too far away from home or the city? Want to experience a true log cabin feel in the mountains? Well, I have the recommendation for you. The Cabin is a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath that will do just that. With a beautiful wood fireplace lit and a glass of wine, you are sure to relax. With easy access from the main highway, private parking, easy access with stairs to the entrance, fast Wi-Fi, a full-size kitchen, and all the essential amenities will make your stay a memorable experience. This cozy log cabin was built in the early 60s with its original wood fireplace and a newly transformed deck with beautiful views of the San Bernardino Mountains. So, book your stay at the cabin in Running Springs, California. The cabin located in the San Bernardino Mountains, is a beautiful place to see the beauty of God's creation. I have known the proprietor of the cabin for many years. She has always supported the youth and young adult ministries of her community, as well as this podcast. Check out The Cabin on Instagram at thecabin2021. Again, that's at thecabin2021, T-H-E-C-A-B-I-N, 2021.